0: Continuing in our series, don't let don't let life make a mess out of you. In Psalm 54, we come across something that we all have to deal with, and ever since we became Christians, how we deal with it was supposed to change. I've titled tonight's sermon, "Surely God is my help." Say that with me. Surely God is my help. If that's what you get tonight you can be dismissed if we try to solve problems in our own way and still stuck doing things our own way then God's really not our help so our key verse is Psalm 54 verse 4 and the scripture says surely God is my help the Lord is the one who sustains me surely God is my help but the Lord is the one who sustains me. That's the second point. If you grasp that, you don't need anyone else's help. God will help you. Sometimes we think we have to go through 16 weeks with a therapist and be charged $125 an hour. God will do it for free, and God will help you. So here we go. What in the world are we supposed to do now that we have become Christians when we have problems? What on earth are we to do with our problems while we are here until Jesus comes to take us home? And why are there trials for the Christian? Why are there trials? I remember before I became a Christian, when bad things happened, we just called them problems. Now that I'm a child of God, when bad things happen, We call them trials. Say that word with me. Trials. Say it again. So for the sake of understanding this sermon, we're not going to use the word problems anymore. We're going to call them trials. If we look at it really closely, (laughs) there's still problems. We still have problems. Wait a minute. I thought that when we got saved, all our problems were solved. How many know when you got saved, your problems increased? Same here. (laughs) Same here. Well, the purpose of a trial is to test you, to show you where you're at spiritually. It's to test you to show you where you're at. There's no pass or fail. There is no you did bad on this test or you did good. So I'm to learn two things through all the things that happened to me. But first I want you to grasp this truth. There are irresolvable irritations that don't go away. That's what it means, irresolvable it just sticks around and it won't get off my back. The unavoidable irritations which come from other people, from our environment or from our own selves are extremely significant because these irritations are God's way of increasing our sensitivity to the needs of other people or expanding our world of opportunity because he wants to develop within us inward qualities which are so essential to living. When you got saved, God left you here. He left you here. He didn't take you home right away. And then trials started to happen from people who just didn't believe you became a Christian. Oh, you won't last. Oh, you'll backslide. Oh, you'll be back sooner or later. And other problems started to happen on our job. And we say, I work with nothing but uh, uncivilized people who none of them are Christians, and then you find out that's exactly why you're there. God's going to use them to teach you. So what we tend to do when we look at our problem, we're actually focusing on the source of the problem. Who's irritating us? And we think they are bad. What I'm going to explain to you in a few minutes is that what God is doing is he shaping you. He is shaping you. And what we tend to do is we get angry at the instruments that he's using. Why does it have to be her? Why does it have to be him? Why does it have to be them? But what we need to focus on is those instruments are in the hands of God. And he's using them like sandpaper, like a file, like a hammer and a chisel to shape us into what he wants us to become. Romans 8:29, the Bible says God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity that he restored, and we see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. Another version, the King James says, whom he did foreknow... He knew you were gonna get saved. He did also predestine you to become like his son. So if you wanna know why I'm having problems and why am I here, it's because I'm to use this time to become more like Jesus. Now watch, how many have seen numerous opportunities where I should have handled it a little bit better. I can see now how God was using them so I can become like Jesus. Well, you don't become like Jesus because you graduate from Bible college or because you got ordained in the ministry or because you teach a Sunday school or in the choir. You don't just become like Jesus, it's a process. When a specific purpose then is achieved through a certain irritation, hear this, God is then free to remove that irritation from our lives. When a certain purpose is achieved through this irritation, God is then free to remove that irritation. So, if the irritations in our lives persist, don't go away, even though we pray and fast and everything else, is because God is not finished with us yet. Proverbs 16, verse 7 says this, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. When you start to please God, He takes away these problems and problem people and irritations. The very person, though, that you cannot stand is the very person God is using because guess what? That person gets your attention. Somebody say, "Mm mm-hmm. Look at this illustration behind me. You see three diamonds. The first diamond here on my left is what you are when you become a Christian. God, and cameraman, if you can focus on this in my hand, this is how we start out, as something of value, a diamond. But maybe a son says, you know what? I'm tired of taking orders from my own man. I'm tired of having to get up at, you know, I'd rather get up at 10 in the morning on my own schedule. So what are you going to do? I'm going to go join the Marine Corps. (laughs) And now there's going to be other people telling you what to do. (laughs) Or a young woman. You can't tell me I can't have sex. You can't tell me who I can be with who I can't. So she gets on drugs, and she runs away from God and from her parents' authority because she feels they're too strict. So what happens to that young woman? She now is in jail. And guess what? The pressure she thought she was under, now she's in jail. Well, that pressure is not going anywhere. And neither has God stopped doing what he was doing. But what happens as you notice the second diamond. Put that back up for me, please. Thank you. As you notice the second diamond, a portion of it is broken, and now there's broken pieces. So what happens then is the original diamond a large portion of your life is wasted from running from God and disobeying him. Now you're just a a rock. There's no value to you. The good news is that when you return to God and when you repent, guess what? God starts the process all over again to take this worthless rock and to shape it into a diamond again. And guess what? It becomes a much smaller diamond. But this worthless rock becomes a much smaller diamond. Now, the way we think is we say, yeah, but the smaller diamond isn't worth as much as the big diamond, so I'm really not as valuable as I was when God first started the process. The Bible says that the glory of the latter house shall be much greater than that of the former house. Come on. And and why? Why would it be much worth, worth much more? More valuable is because this time Jesus is involved in the equation. So I have a whole study on this, a whole lesson. And if you write me or send things through the Facebook to the church and say, have him do that lesson, I'll do that lesson and explain it in detail. But with the three diamonds, here's our responsibility when we're facing a trial. One thank god for the irritation everybody say what yeah i'm right thank him thank him for this irritation because god is not going to allow things to harass you to be mean be mean to you or belittle to you belittle you people say to me you know what the devil's on my back i say bro the devil doesn't even know who you are don't even worry about it or this Maybe some of us have said, why is God allowing this to happen to me? God does not cause problems. God allows problems. He doesn't cause them. He allows problems. So I thought you were a Christian. Why is God doing all this to you? God didn't cause this. God allows it because he'll use it. But you look at a diamond cutter and you look at the The hammer and the chisel that he uses to shape the different facets of the diamond so that it glows every time light hits it. Well, each time you run away from God and go back to your old ways or just blatantly disobey him, guess what? The hammer and the chisel get bigger each time. And then you won't repent and you keep going. The hammer and the chisel gets bigger. So when that big hammer and big chisel hit that diamond, It doesn't shape it, it breaks it. So even the person who went to the Marine Corps and goes AWOL and now is in in, uh, penitentiary with the the military, even he can repent and go back to God. And even the young woman who got pregnant uh, and got on drugs, ran away from home, even she can get out of prison or get out of jail and come back to God and God will begin the process all over because Philippians 1:6 says and I'm confident of this one thing that he which began a good work in you he will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ praise God So we thank God for the irritation then we identify the possible causes did I in any way cause this is it my attitude is it my frustrations? What is it about me that I can't shake this problem? Does anyone in here know what I'm talking about? Five of you. The rest of you can be dismissed. Okay. And the third responsibility is to determine the ultimate objectives. Where are those found? They're found in Galatians 5, through 23. And it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that God is interested in developing in you or that you will develop if you go back to him, put yourself back on his easel, and let him finish the work that he began. So when you say the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's not just you're going to walk around like um, tiptoeing through the tulips And feeling like, I love everybody. I just love everybody. That's not what he's talking about. It's being able to love those that are hard to love. Can somebody say again, Mm mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Loving. Put love in me for this person. But God, move me out of the way because my love is hypersensitive, easily offended, easily angered. Put your love in me, and I will love this person with your love loving them. When you can become like that, you develop what is called agape love, God's kind of love. Not, hey, you know what, I love you, and then you tick me off, eh, get out of my life. That's not the type of love. Say this again, surely God is my help. Wow, that really sounds like we're excited. Let's try it one more time. Say it. Wow, do you see the difference? All right, I'm going to give you a lesson. Right here. Will you please, just you, no one else, so don't start doing it, just you, clap. What did I just say? (laughs) No one else. No one else, clap. Did everybody hear me? Just you, clap. Thank you. You heard that. Now I want the next four rows here. No one else, just you four rows, so all of you, clap. You see the difference here? Now I want this whole auditorium and those in the balcony, everyone to clap. So, you see the difference? So, when I ask you, say this with me, surely God is my help. Yeah, whatever, surely God is my help. I'm not gonna let it go. So we're gonna try this again. Say again, surely God is my help. Surely God is my help. Whoa! That's to wake up the people that were dozing or checking their phone. This is why you're here on this earth. This is the first truth you are to learn. Surely, God is your help. You are to learn not to trust in anyone or anything else but God. Not the bank, not bro, not homegirl, not Google. You're not to trust in anyone else but God. That's what you're to learn. This is easy to say, but I assure you it's not easy to do or to learn. You usually only want to trust what you can see and you can feel. And you're not able to see God, but you can pray to him and trust in him. I'll take that out of my notes. That went over like a bucket. (laughs) You're, You're not able to see God, but you can pray to him and trust in him. You can Two, you may not be able to hear him, but you can read his word and believe in what he says. So, Psalm, uh, that verse, Psalm 54, four says that this one little verse in the book of Psalms is enough to assist us against anything Satan can throw against us. This verse is not just there to take up space. It is truth from the word of God. And I want you to believe it. I want you to stand on it. I want you to proclaim it. I want you to profess it. I want you to write it. I want you to share it. I want you to shout it. And I even want you to sing about it. Surely God is my help. Give him a hand of praise. And what a thing to say when the devil himself comes against you. Surely God is my help. I'm not even worried about you. So when a problem comes, instead of us, I need counseling, I need all this, instead of us complaining, getting frustrated, sharing it with everybody, now it's out on Facebook and everything, get to a point where you get alone with God and say, you know surely you are my help. I don't need to be going to other people. With I know you're doing a work in my life. How many would say to me, Pastor, with what you've explained so far, I think I know what's going on. God is doing a work in my life. Are you aware of that? Okay. If you never have a battle, you'll never know he's your victory. If you never have a problem, you'll never know that he can solve them. If you're never alone, you'll never learn that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you never need him, you will never know that he is your deliverer. And most of us, if we don't grasp it, guess what? Trust me on this. You either wind up in jail. Can you get me a Bible, please? Oh, now you want to read your Bible. Or you wind up in the hospital, and you're going to be here a while. Can you get me a Bible, please? Now you want your Bible. You see, if you can't serve God when you're not restricted, how are you going to serve him when you are restricted? Oh, you're not one of those Bible thumpers, are you? Yeah, you got a problem with that, Holmes? (laughs) yes, I am, yes, are you a Christian, yes, I am, it's not, what do you mean, bro, what what do you mean, a Christian, yes, I am, but don't be saying, well, I've always been a Christian, because I got baptized when I was two years old, that doesn't make you a Christian, say this with me, me, the Lord is the one who sustains me, you're good, I had to take you on tour with me, this is good, do you know how many people are watching this online? And so when you do that, or you just go, "Yeah, the Lord's going to sustain me," all of those people around the world that are watching this right now—they hear the way we respond. That's why I'm having you put some what we call ganas in, put some, <laughs> put some salsa in it, or something, man. <laughs> Surely God is my help is the first thing. The Lord will sustain me. That means give me the ability to outlast this problem. This is the second truth you're to learn. When you have trials and tribulation, who or what do you lean upon? Some choose to lean upon the effects of alcohol and drugs. Mm -hmm. Others choose to lean upon a relationship and what it can offer us as comfort. But eventually... These things leave us dissatisfied and frustrated. Can I get an amen from anybody? Wow. The reason being is because God created us, and we were meant to lean upon him and no one else. He will let us try to find comfort in other things, but he won't let them comfort us. Should I say that again? He will let us try to find comfort in other things, but he won't let us find comfort in those things. And we've tried. We've, if we had a receptacle outside of our back, we've plugged into drugs. We've plugged into alcohol. We've plugged into sex. We've plugged into pornography. We've even gotten mad at God and said, I'm not going to pay my tithe like he's going to shut down the church because you didn't tithe. <laughs> or I'm not going to church. And we think we're hurting God. You can't hurt God. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Now, a novice or a new Christian cannot make a statement of faith like this. This comes from someone who has had to come up the rough side of the mountain. hmm You've come the rough way. It wasn't easy. This comes from someone who's had to come through the waters and through the fire and through the storm. And this person knows the heat, They know the pain. They know the loneliness and they know the heartache. And they've tried every other means of support only to be let down. That's why God says, go ahead. We got time. You know, God doesn't use time. So if you say, I've been going through this for nine years. He goes, nine years up here. That's not even a second. But you just won't come to me, will you? Or you'll come to me and I'll solve your issue, and I'll develop one of those qualities in you, but then you go right back to your old ways, so you're not learning what I'm wanting you to know. People are more afraid of being without God in a trial than they are of the trial. This person can stand. This person can shout. This person can sing, and there is neither timidity nor apprehension in his or her faith. They possess confidence, and this is why they can say what they say. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Tell me something. How did you make it through that? The Lord is the one who sustains me. No, no, really. How did you make it through that? Well, the Lord sustained me. Yeah, I know. You're probably a Christian, but how did you make it through that? Well, what do you want me to say? Google? Google help me? Or homeboy? Or homegirl? No. The Lord is the one who sustained me. When, when a person, if you know what kind of pain it is when someone walks out on you or someone doesn't want you, if you know what kind of pain it is when the doctor says, I'm sorry to inform you, but you have cancer and it's incurable. If you know what kind of pain it is when they say, you have to go to prison. And then you say, even in prison, even in the hospital, even getting during chemotherapy, I can say, the Lord will sustain me. Because once you learn that, when a problem comes against you, what do you do? Bring it on, Holmes. (laughs) I've been through the fire. I've been through the waters and they've been up to my neck. I've been through the heat and the ice cold and God has delivered me from all of it and I'm not going back and I'm not backing down. Come on, give him a hand of praise. I want to be that diamond. I want to be something of value. I was explaining this to my five-year-old grandson. He goes, Grandpa, what are these? And I started to tell him and he goes, Grandpa, this one's broken. Why is it broken? And I said, because the person didn't want to obey God. Why not, Grandpa? What do you say? Well, why is this one smaller? I said, because they came back to God, and God began shaping this into a diamond again, and now it's something of value. And you know what he said? What's value? You. And if you weren't someone of value... Why did he send his son to die on the cross for you? Why? For you. Why would God do that? Why does he see so much in you that he puts his son and his Holy Spirit inside of you? Because we may give up, but God will never give up on us. Is it? Is it too late to come back to God? No. There's still time. We look at a point now called affliction blessed. How many realize that to God we are more precious than incense or grapes or linen? What does that mean? God says that our faith in him is more valuable than gold. So, if you read the Bible and the New Testament correctly, you'll see that you're not the one being tested. God's not testing you. Your faith is being tested, not you, because it can get to a point where, what did I do? Why, Why is all this happening to me? But it's not you. God is not letting this pressure get on you. But he's testing your faith. And faith will not question in the darkness what it has seen in the light. Faith can hang on no matter what because your faith is not in anything on this earth. And by now at our age, we're at a point where I don't even trust in those things any longer because they're just up and down. My faith is in the living God. My faith is in the Son of God. Come on. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you weren't a person of value to God, would he even test your faith? So let me understand that all these problems that I've had or all these irritations that I'm experiencing, my faith in God is being tested. Yes, that's what is going on. That's all that's going on. Because your old habits was to get angry and to run away. It's amazing. After Adam sinned with Eve, what did he do? He went and hid. And God said, Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam thought that was the first game of hide and seek because he goes, I'm hiding. (laughs) Yeah, we laugh, don't we? And God said, why are you hiding? And he said, because I'm naked. And God said, who told you that you were naked? And he goes, well, you know that woman that you made for me? And that was the first blame game. How many know that when God said, Adam, where are you? He knew where Adam was at. See? And so you see the same thing happening in the church today. When those who are coming to church and all of a sudden we don't see them for a while, guess what? They fell into sin and they don't want to come back to the house of God. And then you run into him. Oh, well, you know, Pastor Mike, how you doing, man? I got to go, bro. It's good seeing you, huh? Where you been? Oh, man, I'm busy, man. I'm busy. But you know what? I'm going to get in church. I'm coming. I'm coming back. Well, why did you ever leave? Adam, where are you? That's the first thing we do when we fall into sin. We stop reading the Bible, we stopped coming to church, we stopped fellowshipping with other Christians because we finally found the one that's gonna fulfill all our needs in our life. You the one, bro, I'm the one, yeah, you the one. You know, we said, you the man? He ain't the man, he's the man. Come on, come on. First Peter chapter one, verse six and seven says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, what I'm about to say to you is not in the Bible. Don't write me letters and don't say I'm blaspheming. But you'll understand why I'm saying this now. For some of you... I'll bet you there's angels in heaven and say, I'll put down money right now. That one's not going to make it. (laughs) I'll put down money. That one is never going to come back. And her, I'll put down double what I was going to give because she'll never make it. And then guess what? You show up into heaven and there you come walking in and other angels say, pay me. How did she make it? How did he make it? Because they placed their faith in Jesus Christ and no one else, and they gave their love to God, and no one else. Don't patty kick, church. Give them a hand of praise. Sooner or later, you're going to get locked into God, and you're going to quit this Back and forth, back and forth, or well, whatever, I'm not excited. Sooner or later, you're going to get excited about God. Sooner or later, you're going to wake up to you're not that important, but that God sent his son to this earth to die for you, and that God loves you. Come on, give him a hand of praise. What do you mean, why is this happening to me? Why not? Who are you? Why shouldn't it? Well, I don't know why you want it to happen to other people and not you? Well, yeah. Sorry, bro. That's not the way it works. Listen to me. Don't look at the trial. Don't look at the problem. Don't look at the one you think is the problem. Look at the author and finisher of your faith. He's doing a work in your life. Come on. Is somebody getting this tonight? Or is this going over your head? Do you want me to write it simpler? <laughs> he, he is our sustainer. You know, you think this is a problem. I've been through work. This ain't, you, this is a problem. This is not a problem. The only problem is that you think this is a problem. This isn't a problem. He's my sustainer. He's the one that will always take care of me. If he knows how many hairs are on your head, how many know that he knows everything there is to know about you? Some of you, you need to break up with that person. I'm not talking about married couples. I'm talking about (laughs) you that aren't where God wants you to be. Some of you need to go to those people you've offended and ask them for forgiveness and quit avoiding them. Some of you need to get things right with God and just say, I just want to let you know that I know that you already know. He is able to complete what he began and Jesus didn't save you so he could punish you or to beat you into submission. G I N F. W M Y I don't have any tattoos but if I did maybe I would tattoo that on my my arm G I N F W M Y God is not finished with me yet That's what that means So Let's flip the coin. Well, you know, you've been a Christian a long time, and now you're still having problems? Well, God's not finished with me yet. Well, I thought you were more of a Christian than you are. Well, God's not finished with me yet. He hasn't given up on me, and he's not going to give up on me. Boy, if I was God, I would have struck you with lightning a long time ago. (laughs) God's not finished with me yet. And that's what you need to tell people that you're angry at too. Well, God's not finished with them yet either. Well, if I were God, I would have sped, if I was God, I would have sped up the process and had them become a Christian a lot longer or a lot sooner. Well, God's not finished with you yet. He, believe it or not, will make you you more precious than gold. And I'll tell you what people down here may never get to a point where they recognize the salvation process in you. But church, when you and I go walking into eternal life to be with him forever and ever, when he looks at you, calls you by your name and says, enter into the joy of the Lord forever, Come and be with me because I recognize my son Jesus inside of you. Come in. Because scripture says in the New Testament that the doors were shut and the people said, why can't we come in? And he says, I don't recognize you. When I look at you, I don't see Jesus. But Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. Depart from me. I don't even know you. I'm so glad you're here tonight because I wanted you to hear this sermon. What messes up our life is the way we handle our problems. And now, some of you, I don't know who you are. I don't have that gift. And I'm not working in the gift of knowledge right now. But some of you need to get up from that seat right now and walk to this altar. And say, God, I haven't been handling my problems or situations the way I could have. Or secondly, I need to give you this situation I'm dealing with. Because I almost turned my back on you, Lord. Some of you need to come up here and surrender yourself. Put yourself back on his easel so he can begin the process all over again. And shape you into something of value. Come on.
1: It's in times like this when we realize that the spirit of God is the one who's called us to this place where we seek him where we recognize that we need him where we respond to the calling by coming to the altar and bowing before God and pouring our spirit and our heart and our soul and open before him Whether it's asking for forgiveness, increasing our faith, developing a hope, as we've heard all night, surely we know that God is sustaining us, and surely we know that the presence of the Lord is here in this place. So while you're here and you're in the presence of God and in your quietness right now before him, as the Spirit of God is here ministering to each and every one of us in only the way that's unique to the need that we have. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, He is here. He is ready. He is willing for you to accept Him into your spirit and your heart and your soul and your life. Will you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for delivering me. I'm so grateful that even in the sins that I have, God, you have forgiven me. And I give you my spirit, my heart, and my soul. I ask you into my life to be my Lord. And to be my savior. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. I lift up my head and my heart to you. And I accept you into my life. And I'm thankful for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, I am yours. Will you stand with me? God is your deliverer and the ever-present help in your time of need. And for those of you that prayed that prayer for the first time, welcome to the family of God. For those of you that just reiterated the faith that you have, know that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He is your God and surely, God, his grace, his peace, his mercy, his love, the attributes of God have saved you, will continue to save you, will continue to sustain you. And with that, I give you an opportunity to tell him thank you. To tell him thank you. Father, I pray a prayer covering over your people, and I pray that the God of hope will fill each and every one of you, so that as you trust in him and you believe in him, you will be filled with hope and joy and peace. In Jesus' name. Good night, and God bless you.